Lockdowns are ineffective. We're more and more aware of this. The data is more and more compelling. And the more we see about states and areas that wore masks versus how the masks have worked, we don't see the data that shows us that there is a a compelling argument to masks having serious efficacy. I argue that a mask must do something, but does it really work against COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2? Tony Katz, great to be with you on Tony Katz today. Phil Kirpin joins us right now. Phil Kirpin of American Commitment. His piece from The Spectator, spectator spectator.org. COVID and the illusion of control is something that we've discussed before, but paying attention to this. Now, Phil, you're not, you're not a doctor. You're not, you're, not a, you're not a scientist. What you are is really good at breaking down numbers and looking at data and seeing the issues therein. Let's start with the idea of shutdowns. Let's start with the idea of lockdowns. Uh, no one is better because of these ineffective things, correct? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, We now have an enormous amount of data, and we've got all of these natural experiments because we've got uh, wildly different policies in different places in the United States. And, you know, for instance, Florida has been, at least at the state level, completely wide open, zero restrictions since September. California has been in continuous lockdown over all of those months. Uh, Florida has better COVID outcomes across the board than California over that time period. And, you know, if you look at counties that are near each other and have wildly different policies, if you look at states that are near each other and have wildly different policies, uh, they generally follow the same disease curves, uh, which suggests that whatever the factors are here, whether it's climate, whether it's, uh, you know, humidity, whether it's just uh, the changing of the seasons and the angle of the sun, or whether it's just randomness, stochasticity, who's luckier not to have super spread events, um, it doesn't seem to be affected really at all by closing schools or closing businesses or imposing restrictions. You you get pretty much the same disease curve you're going to get anyway. Um, But what you get with the restrictions is on top of still having the virus harms, now you get all of the harms created by the restrictions, all of the economic harms, the educational harms the social and emotional harms. And so, in effect, uh, you add a man-made catastrophe on top of the viral epidemic with these policy responses. Now, how does this play in in the data? Because, I I mean, I follow you on on Twitter, at at Kirpin, one of the few reasons uh, to be on Twitter, K-E-R-P-N, at Kirpin on Twitter is where you find and follow Phil Kirpin. And you have been taking a look at masks. You've been taking a look at... at, uh, levels of vaccination rates, trying to understand how this this flows. And I think at one time I, I sent you, uh, hey, say this again, but slow down and do it in English so I could, I yeah, could follow well, you and understand. Yeah, you explain that Michigan data, but the problem is I can't explain it because it doesn't make sense. I was hoping so wait, so wait, let's take a step back and give people, it, because- it, it was a conversation about data out of Michigan, and we're seeing an increase in Michigan cases, and so you're saying down. you can't they explain the data, but what is it that so you saw? They're going down now, but the thing that's really weird in Michigan is, They have two different versions of their emergency room data. They have one that they call uh, coronavirus symptoms, and then they have one that they call COVID-19 diagnosis. 
And the diagnosis is like massively, massively higher than the symptoms. And so you look at that and you're like, what, what, what is this data telling us? And, and I don't know, unfortunately, and the media doesn't seem particularly interested in it, but it's very strange uh, that there have so many diagnoses that apparently don't have symptoms it's, uh, in the emergency rooms. I find that very odd. So you're making the argument that people get diagnosed with COVID even though the symptoms don't match up. We actually heard about this. In the beginning, that on, on on death certificates, it would the cause of death would be COVID, even if it was clearly something else. Is that is that a a financial opportunity for hospitals? Because that was the original thought. Uh, maybe, and you know, definitely in the CARES Act, there was a big bonus for hospitals. Uh, that's not as much the case now. There is still a Medicare 20% plus up uh, for for COVID diagnoses, but there's not that big $70,000 whatever it was incentive uh, with the extra CARES Act funding. So there is a little of that. I I think that it's probably related to the uh, massive testing that they're doing in Michigan. You know, like high school sports now, I think they make every single athlete test weekly, and so they've got a lot more testing going on there than other places. And if for whatever reason you end up having to go to an emergency room, let's say you get injured in the game or whatever, and your test is positive, then they, I guess, put you in as a diagnosis. I don't really know, though. I, I, it's very weird. You almost wonder if it's a data error because the gap there is so big. Uh, and it, But it's been that way for a long time there. So I, I don't it, – it's one of those things. You know, sometimes I post a chart because I think it, you know, makes a point that I want to make. Sometimes I do it because I don't understand, and I'm hoping someone will explain it to me. And uh, with the Michigan one, it's more the latter. Talking to Phil Kirpin of AmericanCommitment.org, AmericanCommitment.org. You've been able to show that lockdowns don't bring us any better results and create more harm than good. The conversation now is about masks. And certainly you hear people like uh, uh, Rand Paul, right, medical doctor in his own right, saying that for people who are vaccinated, who have been been vaccinated, to still wear masks, like you saw Joe Biden meeting with the Prime Minister of Japan, and he's double-masked, to see these people outdoors, like Nancy Pelosi the other day, also speaking and and wearing a a mask. It's it's cultish as opposed uh, to science. Have you been taking a look at and been able to see anywhere where the wearing of masks has definitively helped reduce the spread of COVID? Has anything come across your desk uh, that, that shows that? Well, you know, if you look at the the best study that the CDC could muster to try to make the case for masks, uh, found that uh, you had a 0.5% reduction in cases in places where you had very high masking rates. Uh, Now, I question the way they did that study. You know, it really was heavily sensitive to the choice of endpoints. And you could say there are a lot of issues with it. And some people might say it overstates it or maybe it's totally. But let's just for a second take that at face value. 0.5% is a very, very, very small effect. And when you're talking about, you know, when you're vaccinated, you're reducing the risk 90%, 95%, something like that. The idea that, you know, having reduced the risk 95%, you now have to, everywhere you go, put a mask on for an extra 0.5. I, I just find that ridiculous on its face, even if you believe the CDC number about mask effectiveness. And of course, uh, you know, in, in my view, Almost all of the stuff with masks, you know, you know, in theory, if somebody wears it perfectly and it's sealed tight against your face, uh, you get some benefit. 
But in practice, the way people wear them, you know, they're breathing right over the top and out the sides. It's not sealed to your face. There's very little, if any, benefit the way they're done in practice as opposed to in the lab with mannequins and, you know, the various different mechanistic studies that have been done. And so, you know, is there a positive effect? Maybe if you're extremely conscientious and you have a tight fit, uh, but it's very, very small. And compared to the vaccine, it's like you, know, you can't even see it because the vaccine is so effective uh, and, and dramatically reduces the risk so much that, you know, I agree with Rand Paul. I mean, I really think that once you're fully vaccinated, you know, you should be life as normal. The risk to you is, is effectively zero. So you're you're in the vaccine camp. I'm not anti-vax, right? You want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. You, you don't want to live live your life, but I'm certainly oh, yeah, not I anti. I definitely think it's a personal choice. I mean, here's the thing. If you believe, as I do, that the vaccine is highly effective, that means everyone who has it should no longer care what anyone else does because they don't represent a threat to you whether they decided to get it or not. And so, you know, my view is... You know, we're a few weeks away from everyone in the country who wants the vaccine having it. At that point, everything should go back to normal, because if somebody chooses uh, to take the virus risk without being vaccinated, that's their choice. But it doesn't affect anyone else for making a different choice. Phil Kirpin, legal, I was going to say legal insurrection, American Commitment, AmericanCommitment.org, at Kirpin on Twitter, K-E-R-P-E-N. Phil, I always appreciate it. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.